Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I, I gave you a little hint to pay attention to the gospel lesson to figure out what we're going to talk about today. Anyone want to guess? Fishing. Not so fast. I'm going to throw a curveball at you. We're going to talk about baseball. We're going to talk about baseball. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to show you a picture. Okay, I'm going to show you a picture. And this is a picture of my three sisters. We were going through uh, our parents' house in Wisner this summer. And we'll see if we can get that picture up there. Tom, you got that? There it is right there. Okay. So um, my sister Carrie on the left, my youngest sister Becky in the middle, and my sister Christy on the right. And so they're going through the garage, and they found this thing, okay? Now this thing does have some significance. Does anyone know what in the world they're holding? It's an umpiring chest protector. Back in the day, before they had all the fancy stuff underneath, you know? And so my dad umpired for about 35 years. He umpired a lot of American Legion baseball, but he really enjoyed umpiring Dodge County League baseball. Raise your hand if you have any idea what, what I'm talking about. Okay, Dodge County League baseball was a big deal. It was a bigger deal when he was playing back in the 50s and 60s. It was like the one thing that you did on the weekend. You might have a thousand people at a town team baseball game. So the Big E used that chest protector for 35 years, and you can see it got worn out. It got worn out. However, the chest protector is not necessarily what is significant today. There's something else that's a little bit more significant. It's the way, it's the way that my dad, the Big E, called balls and strikes. Everyone has their own little intricacies. Intricacies? What word am I trying to say? They have their own ways to do it. <laughs> they have their own ways to do it. And so first of all, you're probably going, why does he keep saying the Big E? Well. Uh, my dad's name was Elvern, and that's how you spell it, E-L-V-E-R-N. Does anyone know of another Elvern? I've never heard of another Elvern, and he was unique. God made quite the Elvern. And so his name was the Big E around town. And the reason his name was the Big E, because he did everything big. He did everything big. And not only that, he was big. He was 6'3", 225 pounds. And he wasn't overweight. He was just big. His hands were twice as big as my hands. Big bones, just big, hard-working farm boy. But not only that, he had a big red house, 
a big old red brick house. He had a big garden. He caught big fish. Here's one of his big fish. That's a big crappie. That's a big crappie. If you're a fisherman, you know that's a big crappie. They don't make him that big too often. He also caught the biggest bass of our family. And he really wasn't the best fisherman. I, he was just lucky. He was always doing it wrong, but always catching the big fish. He had a big star on top of the uh, antenna. Do you remember the, the big antenna towers that people put up so you could have the antenna rotate? He had a big star up there for Christmas. Not only that, but if you've ever driven through Wisner uh, during uh, December, on top of the elevator, the grain elevator, is a huge star that's about six feet high. It doesn't look like it from down below. But he and the maintenance man, they welded together this huge Christmas star with like real-sized light bulbs. A big Christmas star. He, made, he grew big potatoes, huge potatoes. And he would show them off and put them all in his wheelbarrow and show us his big potatoes. He even had a license plate that told everyone who he was. He was the Big E. Everyone in town called him the Big E. But the one thing that really set him apart was his big voice, was his big voice. And so that really is what brings memories back, looking at that chest protector. I actually have the chest protector. My brother found it. He kept it. He didn't, we didn't throw it in the, in the trash. Here it is. It is worn. There is a huge patch on it. These are tied up. This used to be a handle, but obviously now it's torn. So it's how he called balls and strikes with his big voice. When it was a ball, he would just say simply, and he used his left hand, he would say, nah, nah. But when it was a strike, look out. When it was a strike, I have no idea where he got it from. You always knew if it was a ball or strike from the Big E. Now, if it was a strike, he would say, strike, third strike, strike three, and you're out. Strike three, and you're out. Now think about the 90s. Can you think of something that happened in the 90s revolving around strike three and you're out. It has nothing to do with baseball. Does anyone remember 
the strike three and you're out law that came into place federally. What ended up happening was the uh, people were complaining that felons were committing crimes, getting out, committing crimes, getting out, and this would just keep happening. So they developed the three strikes and you're out laws. Over half of the states ended up passing three strikes and you're out laws. So it didn't make any difference what the felonies were. They could be three violent felonies. They could be three nonviolent felonies. If you had three felonies, you were out. You were out of society. And the judge had no say-so in the matter. So you could have had potential to bounce back, to be a productive citizen, but not with this law. Three felonies, three strikes, and you're out. But some deserved another chance, but most didn't get one. So we finally get back to our gospel lesson today. We're going to talk about the second part of the gospel, not the fishing story. See, in our gospel lesson today, Peter, he gets the ultimate second chance, doesn't he? He gets the ultimate second chance because he already had three strikes. Do you remember? He denied Jesus three times. So guess how many times Jesus asked him in our gospel lesson today, does he love him? Let's take a look again. When they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. There's two. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Three times. That's right, three times. The same amount of times that Jesus, that Jesus told Peter he would deny him. On the night, on the night that he was betrayed. The number three is not insignificant. The story of Peter denying Jesus is not insignificant. Do you realize that all four Gospels have the story of Peter denying Jesus? And that's unusual. Typically, one or two, maybe three of the Gospels will have the same accounts, but all four Gospels have the story of Peter denying Jesus. In Hebrew, the word for three is shalesh, okay? Shalesh, and it means harmony, new life, completeness. 
There are so many places in the Bible where the number of three, where the number three is used. And I actually noticed one today while I was reading our first lesson. How many days was Paul blind before the scales came off his eyes? Three days before he could see again. There were three patriarchs. Started with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Three patriarchs. If you are in my Wednesday morning Bible class, I know you're going to know this one. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, how many times does the Lord call out to Samuel in the middle of the night? Three times. Three times. Samuel, Samuel. And he goes running to Eli. I, di I didn't call you. And then finally, Eli goes, ah, I know what's going on. He says, the next time he calls you, say, your servant is listening. What do you want, Lord? And that's what he does. How many days was Jonah in the belly of the fish? Three days. God in three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God the Father raising his son on the third day. Which brings us back to Peter and his meeting with the resurrected Jesus. Our lesson takes place after Jesus has been resurrected. And they're around, they're around a coal of, a campfire of coals, having breakfast, right? The same Peter who denied Jesus after witnessing so much. Think about all of the things that Peter witnessed that many of the other disciples were not privy to. Here's just a few of them. Imagine all of the things that Peter saw. He saw water turned into wine. Jesus saved the party. He didn't realize, but the party was just starting, wasn't it? That was the first one. That got the ministry rolling. He witnessed Jesus calming storms. He witnessed Jesus walking on water. And Peter even took a few steps, remember? He witnessed the blind seeing. He witnessed the deaf hearing. He witnessed lepers being totally clean. He even witnessed the dead come to life. He saw empty boats being full of fish. But maybe the most amazing thing that Peter saw was the transfiguration of Jesus before his very eyes. We had that story not too long ago. So here's Peter, and who are the other two with him? James and John. Okay, Peter, James, and John. Here they are. They go up to the mount. 
They follow Jesus, and boom, Jesus is transfigured. He is in all of his glory. And it doesn't end there. All of a sudden, two dudes show up named Moses and Elijah. Here's Moses and Elijah, the glorified Jesus, and it keeps getting better. Peter actually heard the voice of God, didn't he? Because God said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. And then three more little words, what are they? Listen to him. Listen to him. But Peter listened to Jesus, but did he really hear Jesus? Did he really understand? Did he really believe? Did he really trust? In one night, in one night, Peter went from being better than everybody else to being worse than everybody else. You see, Peter never thought it would, he would be the one to deny Jesus, to turn his back on him. We can see this in an account from the gospel writer Mark. Jesus and the disciples, they are in the garden. This is after having the Last Supper. And let's read what Mark's rendition of what he remembers happened. So Peter said to him, Jesus, let's just say that. And Peter said to Jesus, even though they all fall away, I will not. Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But Peter said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same thing. If I must die with you, I will not deny you. Self-assured, self-confident, self-assertive Peter is all in. He won't be like the others. But you see, human assuredness, confidence, and assertiveness, it can be broken. It can be broken very quickly. And it didn't take long. Only hours later, we find Peter around some more hot coals, don't we? But this time he's not eating fish and bread. He's just trying to stay warm. Then he's recognized. The moment of truth is upon him. He's in the batter's box. Certainly, Peter won't strike out, will he? I need you to take your pew Bibles out. Page 904, I want you to turn to. Page 904 from your pew Bibles. And we're going to read from chapter 18, okay? So turn to page 904, chapter 18. We're going to start at verse 15. Let's see how it goes for Peter when he's in the batter's box, when it really, really matters. 
Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter stood outside the door. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? He said, I'm not. Now the servants and the officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. Now let's go to verse 25. Now Simon Peter was standing warming himself, so they said to him, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. So there you have it. Peter, the strong, the cleanup hitter, the one who was part of Jesus' inner circle, who was privileged to witness all of those things we talked about, Peter, the rock, crumbled. Peter, the rock, has fallen to pieces, hasn't he? So do you see how significant it is that Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? He had to be sure. The church is going to be built on these apostles. Jesus had to be sure. In less than 40 days, Jesus is going to ascend and he's going to send down on them an amazing measure of, of the power of the Holy Spirit. And they will, they will preach and they will teach the purest gospel that has ever been preached, that's ever been taught, because it's the only thing that's going to save the world, you know. Yes, Peter's love and faith in Jesus is significant, but it's also significant that Peter denied Jesus. You see, he was in the batter's box. And he let three strikes go right on by. He didn't even take a swing. Strike three! You're out! But we swing and miss too, don't we? We strike out. We don't always love Jesus with our whole heart. We don't always love him with all of our minds. We sin against Jesus in thoughts, words, and our deeds. Every day, every hour, every minute. But that's not the end of the story, is it? That's not the end of the story. You see, Jesus knew Peter's heart. 
Jesus knew Peter's heart, and he knows your heart. He knew Peter deserved another chance. And the second time, Peter hit it out of the, he hit it over the fence. He had a home run. And Jesus knows our hearts too, doesn't he? We have that same Holy Spirit. We know that same pure gospel message that Peter had, that Peter knew. But if Peter can strike out, we can strike out. However, however, because of God's amazing grace, he allows us to get back into the batter's box and have another try. And another try. And another try. And another try. And another try. So, I have three questions for you today. Three questions for you today. And you can respond out, you can respond out loud. That's just fine. Question number one. Do you love Jesus? Yes. Question number two. Do you really love Jesus? Question number three. Do you really, really love Jesus? Yes. Well, Jesus loves you too. He loves you so much that he died, he suffered for you on that cross of Calvary. See, he got into the batter's box for you. And he didn't strike out. He never strikes out. He doesn't just hit home runs. He hits it out of the park with the bases loaded and we're on base. And when he hits it out of the park with the bases loaded, we get to come home to our heavenly home. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, may the peace that passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.